Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh boy. Um, it has been a day. <laughs> so, recorded the lesson earlier today and apparently. Did not report. Um, so I'm going to be, well, it will be new for you guys, but I'm going to be redoing everything. Um, yeah. Eventually I'm going to get the hang of this, I guess. Let's, let's hope, okay? Uh, let me go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you for another day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, I ask that you just continue to move through me and help me to guide with your people. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right. So, um, last week we started our the first lesson. Uh, we are coming, we're going to be going over um, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. That's the name of the book that I'm going to be using. Uh, sorry about the phone. I'm at home, understandably, because coronavirus. <laughs> but I'm going to be using 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by Max Anders. And so Chapter 1 was basically uh, the structure of the Bible. And talked about um, Old Testament, New Testament, the number of books in the Bible. And so today we'll be going over uh, geography of the Old Testament. Uh, This is a fairly short lesson, and um, it's kind of hard to cover this one because in this particular, for day two, um, or for the second lesson, he uses a lot of diagrams and pictures and maps, so it's kind of hard to describe on the phone. My best suggestion would be is grab your Bible and go to the part that has the map in your Bible. I think most Bibles, if I'm not mistaken, have a map Somewhere, somewhere toward the end, end of the Bible, toward the back, I think. Um, we're going to be going over the bodies of water, and also uh, just some key locations in relation to the Old Testament. Now, um, I personally will admit that when it comes to geography. That was probably like my least favorite subject, so uh, I did what I needed to do to pass in school, and that was about it. I pretty much dumped everything out of my head because that just wasn't something I was interested in. Um, But one of the quotes from uh, the book that I liked was, he says, 
uh, Anders says that one who is ignorant of geography cannot know history. And goes on to talk about how the Bible is mostly history. So in order to master it, um, you have to know it. It's important. (laughs) You'll probably hear me say that over and over again. It's important. And yeah, we know the Bible's important, yada, yada. But again, if it's not that serious to you, if it's not that important to you, you're not going to spend any time on it, right? Um, another thing he mentions is, yeah, you could skip it, but you'll end up being lacking and deficient. Um, remember that even Scripture says, you know, and all that getting, getting understanding, right? It's not enough to just own a Bible and then, you know, kind of skim through it now and then. You need to understand what is going on. Uh, geography can help with that especially when you have that concrete reference that you can go to and it's like, oh, I can see it now. I can visualize this. Okay. Um, The thing that came to mind for me was when God reminded me how in Japanese there are three writing systems. Three. So whereas English has an alphabet, um, Japanese doesn't have an alphabet, an alphabet has what's called a syllabary, which is basically just a group of sounds, right? So it has um, the syllabary, which is represented by two sets of characters, hiragana and katakana, which is about uh, 50 apiece, not counting um, the complex, what they call complex syllables, and kanji, which is taken from Chinese. So you have all three of those. And most people are kind of tempted to skip over the katakana because it's like, oh, well, I really need it. Oh, you don't really use that much until you do. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing here. Like, yeah, you could skip it, but then you won't be as efficient. You'll be lacking. It'll be the house whose foundation is built on sand. And we don't want a house built on sand. I want a sturdy foundation. I want to know my Bible inside and out. Um, it's just like somebody who, I don't know why we keep going back to this car example, but it keeps coming up. <laughs> somebody who doesn't know their car inside and out, right? Or somebody who doesn't know their job inside and out like how can you be working somewhere for over 10 20 years and you still don't even know where basic stuff is in the building you know like you don't know who uh who the main head, who the head person is you don't know the name of the of the corporation itself and it's like but you work there that's a little scary so same thing here. We want to be able to know our Bible inside and out. We need to be able to see beyond words on a page and be able to actually visualize these things to solidify the fact that this was real. This is real stuff. Okay. And a lot of our history today comes from the Bible, but it starts with geography. Okay. So, 
Uh, I know I'm soft-spoken, and I'll be honest, my voice is shot because I felt like I was yelling earlier and doing my best to speak up as loud as I could earlier. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best this time around, guys. So forgive me if it sounds like I'm going in and out again. Okay, so let's start. Um, let's see. The first thing is that understanding the size and location of things and this is what Anders is talking about. Understand the size and location of things and the relationships and distances between them gives us perspective. So again, kind of like I mentioned, visualizing, being able to see it in your mind, you know, and kind of get a grasp, better grasp for the context of the situation, like what's going on, right? That kind of helps us, okay? Uh, it gives us, perspective about events of the Bible. Uh, it's helpful to know the locations, the names, uh, these these important places. So, yeah, again, it's important. Okay. All righty. So let's go ahead and just jump into it. Uh, we're going to start with the bodies of water. So there are eight bodies of water. Now, again, like I said, it will probably help for you to just grab your Bible and go to the, I think it's the back usually, but find your map and then track the bodies of water, you know, or those, those locations with the map. If you have like a smaller Bible, like I know I have a smaller one, so the map is kind of broken up into sections and you can't really see it as a whole, that's fine too, but just kind of use that as a visual reference, okay? Especially if you don't have uh, the book that I'm coming from itself. Just go ahead and use your Bible, the map in your Bible as a reference. All right, so the first body of water is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, Anders notes that the land of the Old Testament lies east of the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so the first body of water is Mediterranean Sea. Right. The second body of water is the Sea of Galilee. And this one is seven miles wide, 14 miles long. Okay, so seven miles wide, 14 miles long. And it's about 36 miles inland from the Mediterranean. So kind of close to it, right? So we have the Mediterranean, we have the Sea of Galilee. Then we have the Jordan River. So the Jordan River flows south out of the Sea of Galilee. And it travels 65 miles into the Dead Sea which is our next body of water. Okay. Uh, the Jordan River actually has a lot of history surrounded, surrounding it, okay? So just kind of keep that in mind. I suppose it's like a key, key body of water or key location in a way. A lot of history around it. All right. The Dead Sea. 
Um, the way that Anders describes it is that it's shaped like a hot dog with a bite out of the lower third part of it. So imagine a hot dog that looks like it has somebody took a little nibble out of it, out of the bottom of it. Uh, and that's kind of the shape of the Dead Sea. Okay. Now the Dead Sea uh, is the lowest point on land. It's almost 3,000 feet below sea level, and water flows into it, but not out of it. So because of that, uh, it has a very high concentration of minerals, uh, mineral deposits, and it makes it unsustainable for any type of uh, like animal life. Like nothing can, it can't, Nothing can survive in it. Um, so for that reason, that's how it, it got its name, the Dead Sea. Okay. So we have the Mediterranean. We have the Sea of Galilee. We have the Jordan River. We have the Dead Sea. The next is the Nile River. Okay. The Nile River flows to the heart of Egypt. And imagine like some fingers that spread out, you know, so the river is flowing through and then toward the end it kind of spreads out like fingers, okay? And those fingers empty into the Mediterranean Sea. So it might seem like a lot. Like I said, if you don't have a map, it's probably going to seem like a lot, (laughs) but the dead, or I'm sorry, the Nile River flows into the Mediterranean. So those fingers are like flowing into this Mediterranean bowl, in a way. Okay. Uh, so, one more time, we have the Mediterranean Sea, we have the Sea of Galilee, we have the Jordan River, we have the Dead Sea, we have the Nile River. Now we have the Twin Rivers. Okay, they're separate. So you have the Tigris and the Euphrates, which I'm pretty sure I said wrong, but I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, they flow for about a thousand miles before they join together. Okay. Um, They're called twin rivers because of the fact that they're kind of like side by side and they just flow for about a thousand miles. And then toward the end, they join together. And they both flow into our last body of water, which is the Persian Gulf. Okay. Now, the Persian Gulf, the Tigris, the Euphrates, these form the easternmost boundary uh, for the lands of the Old Testament. Okay. The Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, flow through what is present-day Iraq, and the Persian Gulf separates Iran from Saudi Arabia. Okay, so altogether, we have the Mediterranean, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, the Nile River, the Tigris and Euphrates, also known as the Twin Rivers, uh, and then you have the Persian Gulf. So it's eight 
bodies of water. All right, now for our locations. Again, this is the Old Testament, so uh, we're not going to be talking about the New Testament right now. We're talking about the Old Testament. Okay. So our first location is the Garden of Eden. Now, the Garden of Eden, of course, it's a bit hard for them to pinpoint it, but uh, it's expected to be uh, near the convergence, because it does mention that in the Bible, the near the convergence of four rivers, two of which are the Tigris and the Euphrates. So in the between the two rivers, right, there's a bit of space, at least on the map that I have, there's a bit of space, and in that space is where the Garden of Eden is located. Again, they don't know the exact location, but it's in that area. Okay. Our second location uh, has three names. Okay, the city of three names. That is Canaan, uh, Israel, and Palestine. Or Palestine. Okay, so Canaan was its name in Genesis. Right, so Canaan was the name in Genesis. Then after the Hebrews came in, established themselves, it was changed to Israel. 1,300 years after that, towards the beginning of the New Testament, is when it's renamed as Palestine. So, going back just a little bit. <laughs> this city lies between the Mediterranean coast uh, and the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan, and the Dead Sea. So here's, this, here's the thing. The Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, they're kind of like one body of water. Not really. Because they are they are three separate bodies of water, but they all kind of connect together. So, kind of imagine if you don't have a map, you see the um, the Mediterranean off to the west, and then again, remember the uh, Sea of Galilee is 36 miles or so inland from there, eastward. And so kind of straight down those three bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan, and the Dead Sea are all connected together. So in between that space, that little land in between there is where this city is. So I like to call it the city of three names. <laughs> Canaan, or Canaan, Israel, and Palestine. That's where this city is located. Okay. Our next city is Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is northwest of the shoulder of the Dead Sea, and it is nestled in the mountains of Israel. So Jerusalem is actually um, considered to be central. It's a central place to the story of the Old Testament. So it's a key city in, as far as the history of the Old Testament, and it's also the capital of the nation of Israel. 
So let's review again. So we have the Garden of Eden located somewhere in between there, the, the Tigris and the Euphrates. We got the city of three names, Canaan, Israel, Palestine, which is somewhere between the Mediterranean and uh, those other three bodies of water, Sea of Galilee, the Jordan, and the Dead Sea. Then we have Jerusalem, which is a key city because it's central to the history of the Old Testament. It is the capital of the nation of Israel. Next up is Egypt. So Egypt, of course, ancient civilization. Uh, it also has a central role in Old Testament history. The next three um, kind of deal with, uh, not the exodus of Israel, I'm sorry. Uh, they deal with uh, when Israel was kind of just decided we're just going to do our own thing and children of Israel are just wowing, right? They're just doing their own thing and God finally had enough and was like, okay. And that's when you had all the invasions that, that came in, right? So you have Assyria, which is located at the headwaters of the Tigris and the Euphrates, so kind of toward the top of where they start to flow. And it's noted for, Assyria is noted for conquering the northern kingdom of Israel in the Old Testament. So first comes in Assyria. They conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. Next up is Babylonia. And they were known as a huge historical world power. They come in and just take over. And so they conquer Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah. But they come in about 136 years after. So we have Assyria. They come in, invade, they take over the northern kingdom of Israel. Then we have the, the next great you know, world power in that time. 136 years later, Babylonia comes in and they conquer Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah. All right? Now, Babylonia is found in Mesopotamia, which is between the Tigris and the Euphrates. And one of the things that I learned, <laughs> um, Mesopotamia means it has two, it's a compound word, it has two words. So you have meso, which means in the middle of, and potamus, which means rivers. So together, Mesopotamia literally means like in the middle of the river, or in the middle of the rivers. Uh, if you notice the English word, um, I'm saying it's an English word, but the word for hippopotamus, right? Potamus in the in rivers. So I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty neat, right? Hippopotamus in the river. So Mesopotamia, it's in the middle of the rivers. It's in the middle of the, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Okay. So back up a little bit. So Assyria comes in, they take over the northern king of Israel, 
Then here comes Babylonia. They are just, you know, this big, bad, tough guy. They come in, they conquer Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah 136 years later. All right. Then comes Persia. This is our, our last city of the, um, of the Old Testament. They're also the final superpower. Okay, they're known as a historical superpower of the Old Testament. And they come in and conquer Babylonia. Okay, Persia is located at the north bank of the Persian Gulf. So the Persian Gulf is kind of, at least on the map that I have, toward the mm, like southeast corner or so. So you have the, the Tigris and the Euphrates, and they're flowing separately, and then they join together to flow into the Persian Gulf. Right? So Persia is located on the north bank of the Persian Gulf, kind of toward the bottom. Okay? So they come in, they conquer Babylonia, uh, they allow the Hebrews to return to Jerusalem, and so the Hebrews rebuild it, rebuild Jerusalem, and temple worship is reinstated. Okay? So altogether, you have seven locations. So let's review those now. We have the Garden of Eden, we have the City of Three Names, Canaan, Israel, Palestine, we have Jerusalem, Egypt, and then our superpowers, we have Assyria, Babylonia, and Persia. Now, one of the things I think was kind of helpful um, that Anders gives is the example of Texas. So, as far as the entire land of the Old Testament is about approximately the same size as the state of Texas. Now, for those who are not from Texas, uh, everything in Texas is far. Everything in Texas is far. Um, people crack jokes because, you know, we'll say stuff like, oh, it's, it's right around the corner. Oh, it's up the street. And around the corner and up the street isn't exactly, like, right there. It's about a good mile, you know, it's a good bit of ways away. Um, So, when you are imagining the land of the Old Testament as far as, like, where it is in between these rivers, imagine the state of Texas. And you got the rivers kind of on the outsides of that, but they're flowing in, you know, towards the sides, and then the middle of Texas, like that land space in there, the state of Texas itself is about approximately the size of um, the land of the Old Testament, okay? So, um, from the Persian Gulf to Israel, okay, so the Persian Gulf from Israel, talking about the distance, would be like from Houston to Odessa. So imagine the Persian Gulf is located where Houston is, and uh, Israel is located where Odessa is. 
So if we were driving from Houston to Odessa, that would be about equivalent to um, going from the Persian Gulf to Israel, right? But here's the thing. They didn't have cars back then. <laughs> uh, and again, like you're far, in this case, is an understatement. Like I don't even think I would make that drive from Houston to Odessa. Like that's a bit much, right? They didn't have no cars. <laughs> okay. So uh, from about Houston to Odessa is where, how long it would take you from the Persian Gulf to Israel. From Israel to Egypt, that distance would be roughly from Odessa to El Paso, which those two cities are a bit closer, but still a bit of a distance. Okay, so just envisioning that, right, kind of getting a feel for how far these things are, right? Um, this was not, I know you look at it on a, in a, the picture in the book, and it's like, okay, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that far, but it, like I said, if you, especially our, my Texas people, if you can visualize that and you see it on the map and then you see, like, how far that is in actuality and you add on to the fact, like I said, they did not have any motor vehicle. They didn't even have a bicycle. <laughs> Some of these journeys were made on foot. Like, yeah, okay, maybe you might have a camel or something, but... From what I remember in the Bible reading about them sojourning to this land, uh, they didn't have that. They were, most of them were walking. So that's a long, that's a bit of a journey, right? So just kind of keep that in mind. Now you have something that you can kind of visualize and uh, kind of grasp and hold on to when you're looking at the map, when you start reading the history, right? Like, oh, man, they went from Egypt to where? And it was a long walk. You know, like, this was not a day's journey. (laughs) Now you can kind of see it, right? So uh, I hope this was helpful for you today, and I hope, as always, that you got something from it. And I apologize. (laughs) Oh, I apologize, because it seems like I just cannot get this this tech down. I promise I'm trying my best, y'all. So hopefully next week I'm going to have it down. I promise. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's go ahead and close out with prayer. Lord, guys, thank you for another day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, I ask that you just help us to have clarity, help us to further familiarize ourselves with your word, help us to further grow in your word, that we may not see it as just a book, or just words on the page that we see everything in its importance because you would not have put it in there if it was not important or if we didn't need it. Um, God, I pray that you continue to just cover all of us in the midst of all the chaos and all the darkness and just the crazy things that are going on. God, I know that you're going to get the glory, and you are so worthy, and I just celebrate you right now because of who you are what you're doing and what you will do, God. 
Um, I pray that you just continue to just watch over all of us, continue to help us to be a light, and continue to help us to stand flat-footed in you. Um, This is the most perfect time to draw closer to you, to seek your face and your kingdom, God, above anything and everything else. So, Lord, again, I just celebrate you. I thank you for being who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right, y'all. So, like I said, short lesson. Um, I hope that you all have a great weekend. And take care. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.